Thank you for listening to NSL Double Talk. Never stop learning. At Never Stop Learning, we connect you with engaging experts who join you and your friends or colleagues in conversation at a location of your choosing. With NSL Double Talk, we are bringing the Never Stop Learning model directly to you. Each podcast will feature two experts in conversation on topics that range from global affairs to wellness to arts to innovation. Sometimes the experts agree, sometimes they don't, but we will never stop learning and never stop laughing. Oh, of course. Because I'd be like, oh, you're right again, Thelma. (laughs) NSL Double Talk featuring Thelma Golden and Anne Pasternak. Their topic today is women leaders in the arts. Thelma is director and chief curator of the Studio Museum in Harlem, the world's leading institution devoted to visual art by artists of African descent. Thelma holds a bachelor's in art history and African-American studies from Smith College. She has received honorary doctorates from the City College of New York, San Francisco Art Institute, Smith College, and Moore College of Art and Design. As an active lecturer and panelist, Thelma speaks about contemporary art and culture at national and international institutions, including her 2009 TED Talk, How Art Gives Shape to Cultural Change, which examines how contemporary artists continue to shape dialogue about race, culture, and community. Anne serves as the director of the Brooklyn Museum. For more than 30 years, she has devoted her career to engaging broad audiences with the limitless power of art to move, motivate, and inspire. A staunch advocate for the civic and democratic roles our cultural and educational institutions can play, Anne is committed to projects that demonstrate the crucial links between art and social justice. During her time at the Brooklyn Museum, Anne has focused on strengthening the museum as a global center for the visual arts that is courageous, pioneering, and inclusive. Through her leadership, Anne has expanded exhibitions, educational offerings, and public programs. We are so excited to welcome Thelma and Anne to NSL Double Talk. Thelma, I am so excited to have my first podcast with you. And Anne, I'm so excited to be here with you. All the new experiences we have together. How are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm wonderful. Good. So Thelma, we thought maybe we'd talk about leadership today. Tell me about the three most important leadership lessons you've learned over the years? Well, I don't know if I can say or give you three important leadership lessons. What I probably can say is that as a leader, the most important thing for me is that I continue to learn and I continue to listen. Okay, there are more than that. Like, What have you learned, Thelma, of things that you must do and things you no longer do? In addition to listening, listening is a hugely important skill. Listening is incredibly important, and I don't only mean the listening that we can do to each other, but the sort of listening to the world, right? Being sort of receptive and being open. I think I have learned that sort of leading with a sense of openness and generosity often returns not only answers, but opportunity. I love that you say that because of all my colleagues in the profession, there isn't anyone who's more generous than you. When anyone has a problem, anybody has a controversy or a challenge within their organization, we all turn to you. And you're always going to be kind and open-hearted, and you always listen with care, and you also tell us truthfully what we think we have to do. Well, thank you, Anne. So what's the lesson you have learned, or three, because it sounds like you have many lessons, so I'm eager to hear them. 
Well, Thelma, you know I can't color within the lines. I actually have a lot more than three, but mine are a lot less inspired than yours. So I think listening is key, which is hard for me because you know I'm a blabbermouth. That's number one. And then mission, mission, mission. Everything is rooted in mission. And I know that's true for both of us, that we are not only passionate about art and artists, we're passionate about making a change on the world. And that is deeply rooted in our mission. So mission, mission, mission. And then, you know, I love to quote Mayor Bloomberg because he always says, you can't manage what you don't measure. So data really matters. And that's not something that comes naturally to me, but I have to build a team around myself that really gives me numbers. Numbers matter. And then, you know, this is really not sexy, but I've learned over the years, hire slow, fire fast. So those are some of my mantras, actually. Mm -hmm. Not so inspired, but there are a lot more. Those are great. But if I'm trying to stay within the lines, there you have my top three. And have those changed for you? Do you feel that perhaps... Would you have said different things five years ago, 10 years ago? I think maybe 10 years ago, I would have been trying really hard to manage my personality. You know, I can be a little overwhelming for staff. And um, I can be very frank. And I know it's challenging for staff members, especially young ones, to manage my personality. So I've learned to moderate it a little bit, but probably not as much as I should. What are you looking forward to the most? You know, I live and work very much in the present, so I don't always think so far ahead. I mean, obviously, I'm looking forward to the day that we open the doors on the new Studio Museum in Harlem, the building that we are building right now, the project that we've been in for the last four years and will continue now over the next few years ahead. So that's exciting. That's important. It feels significant. And I certainly imagine what it will be like um, for me, for the team and the board of the Studio Museum, for the Harlem community, for the art community, for the city, for the world, to be able to like live and love and be inspired by art in this amazing, fantastic building that David Ajay has designed. So that perhaps I would say is the most significant thing that I'm thinking and looking forward to, but I'm very much in the process of it. So not necessarily thinking only about what's going to happen in the future, but kind of being right here in this moment, making it happen as we speak. Right, because a major project like this requires thousands of decisions probably every week. So Mm -hmm. you have to be present in this moment. But talk to us a little bit about the vision for the new Studio Museum of Harlem and why it's so important. Well, the new Studio Museum in Harlem really takes its mandate from the founding of the museum 51 years ago to be a nexus for the presentation of work by artists of African descent, locally, nationally, and internationally. And what the new building seeks to do is to create a space that really honors what has been the museum's important legacy in opening up the art world, the art historical canon, audiences to the work of black artists and to do that work intentionally with real passion in Harlem. And so I think the new building is important because it allows us to understand the path of this institution, an institution that created itself in response to the exclusion of black artists, but who made it possible for us to imagine what it means to see black artists work all over the world at this moment. 
You know, it's so beautiful you say that, Thelma, and I think about all the ways that the Studio Museum of Harlem has expanded my view of the world and inspired my life so deeply. And I think about the ways in which the Studio Museum and you in particular have really nurtured the careers of artists at all stages of their life from the emerging artists' residencies and the postcard project to major retrospectives that have completely changed art history and culture as we know it. And so with the new building, it'll help you, I imagine, go even further in doing that work. It will allow us to continue that work, to broaden that work, to deepen that work, but to continue doing that work in collaboration with institutions around the city. I mean, you lead the Brooklyn Museum, which has had a long and important history in the presentation of artists of African descent, but artists of diverse backgrounds generally Mm -hmm. for many, many years and bringing new audiences to museums and creating for them the possibility of what museums can mean for them. So I think that this is work that's being done by many different kinds of institutions and we feel proud to take this step at the Studio Museum to continue that. But what are you looking forward to, Anne? Well, I think that I'm looking forward to helping to define and create a new kind of art museum model one that is deeply invested in community partnership and impact, and one that really thinks deeply about social impact. So yes, everything stems from our passion for art and artists, but going another step forward and really imagining how we can have transformative relationships that museums maybe historically haven't tried before. And what does that look like to you? Because I'm always intrigued, you know, by this idea of different museum models. I feel privileged to have inherited a sort of radical idea of a reformation of museums. The founders of the Studio Museum in Harlem looked at the museum world and said, what does a museum look like that we can create for black artists in the African-American community, understood through the culture in historic ways. So thinking about institutional transformation is such a part of the way in which we now can live in this incredibly diverse museum culture. So what would that look like for you? So if we go back 200 years ago, this was an institution that was founded to celebrate the cultures of new immigrants from all over the world who were living in this independent city, then, you know, Brooklyn, what we call Brooklyn today. And the idea was that if we celebrated each other's cultures, we'd be better neighbors, we would be better informed, and we would construct a better American project. So that DNA of the Brooklyn Museum really inspires us today. And I think about what do we need in New York City today? And when our communities have so much cultural vibrancy, how are we helping to support and animate that vibrancy? And at the same time, our communities have struggles. You know, roughly 50% of the local youth in Brooklyn, central Brooklyn, don't graduate from high school. So what might a museum Museum do to contribute to job training, workforce training, or you know, after-school art programs, or whatever literacy, whatever the conversations may be, we'll see where it takes us. But I also think that museums, cultural institutions at large, are incredible at progressing culture. 
and opening hearts and minds. And when we open hearts and minds, we contribute to cultural change that leads to social change, that leads to political and policy change. So I see our role not only as institutions that work with artists and show art and protect and preserve and study, that's extremely important, but I also know the stories we tell are profoundly important and can really influence creating greater empathy and love in the world. So I take that part of our job very seriously. And I wonder sometimes what happens when we collaborate around issues and stories, narratives that we care about with organizations that haven't traditionally partnered with museums, such as social justice organizations. And we're going to do a big show on mass incarceration. There are extraordinary organizations nationally and right here in New York City and certainly in Brooklyn that are doing the real work to ease pain and to change legislation. And how might their realities, their narratives, inform the narratives that we're creating at the museum? How might we work together to help advance their efforts? So when I talk about a new model, it's along these kinds of lines, trying out new ways of having our stories really empower decency in our communities and in the world. What resonates about that for me is the fact that it does, in many ways, echo the ways in which the Studio Museum was founded. And in some ways, what you're talking about is thinking about an art museum, or a museum um, generally, outside of certain ideas of privilege, which have been the ways in which culturally specific museums, community-based organizations have always existed. That is, in community, in service, in civic partnership, in ways that both acknowledge the particular ways that we can serve through art, through culture, lifting up culture, telling the stories through art, but also how we serve in partnership with our peers, whether they be civic organizations, educational organization, faith-based organizations, and work together. And in community, um, that's the experience I have in Harlem, that we live in that way as an arts institution, but it means in many ways giving up what in our art museum world are those qualities that are often seen as being most important, what our collection might be, how we might present. It, it's looking at our art and art purpose at the center of a larger purpose that is in service of the places where we live as an organization and reflect the needs of our communities. Absolutely, and this is something our communities, our audiences are asking for. They're less interested, in my view, um, how many masterpieces we have. It's no longer a game of who has the most number of Picassos or the best Monets. What they want to know, audiences, especially young audiences today, what are those stories that we're telling? How are we being in service of our society? And I think that this idea of the museum as a repository for the most number of objects or the, you know, uh, the biggest name artists is not as important as it once was. I think we're at a pivotal moment in which we're seeing change. And I absolutely believe that that change has been inspired by the work of culturally specific institutions like the Studio Museum of Harlem, El Museo de Barrio, and others. Thelma, do you want to talk about the role of museums in the future? 
I'm very inspired by the possibility of the role of museums in the future because I think what we will begin to see is some of what I've understood from the moment the Studio Museum was formed in the late 60s, which was this idea of thinking about museum in the broadest way possible. And if we could think outside of the sort of spatial ways in which we thought of museums, and if we think about them outside of their most traditional presentational forms, and begin to populate this idea with the idea of art and culture, education and experience, spaces that can inspire, educate, enlighten, inform, that's where I think the future of museums will be. I think in the future, we are going to see a more diverse museum community telling the stories, collecting the artifacts, understanding culture in the ways in which it reflects the cultures that we are living in. Absolutely. And I think we're starting to see more and more advancement in those areas. When I think about the Museum of the Future, one of the models that's really interesting to me, and probably you as well, is the model of how libraries are advancing their missions. They've gone from repositories of books to being places of knowledge sharing and learning. And so if you take a look at the New York Public Library System or the Brooklyn Public Library, people are taking classes for citizenship. They're doing all sorts of things that libraries traditionally haven't done as part of their civic purpose. I also think that the future, particularly a future where we begin to think about the way in which we will live in and around an even more advanced technological state, there will continue to be the desire to confront oneself and other people in space, in a room with amazing objects that allow you to see yourself and to see each other in ways that are deep and profound. Absolutely, and museums are important public forums, not only to learn about art and to be inspired by the art and see one's own history reflected with truth and dignity and joy. Museums are complicated public forums. They're among the rare public spaces we have today. If you're out of university or outside of a spiritual center where you're there to learn and to grow and to debate, where else are people going to go for challenging conversations? That certainly is it. And that's why I think we both love the opportunity to lead museums, but also in a city like New York. And as a young person in this city, museums were also safe space. And I mean that in the way they were a place that I could go with no agenda, with at that time, no resources. That is because access when I was growing up here in the city, was made possible in cultural institutions, so made many of them free to high school students, New York City high school students, as we continue to do now. And they were places that allowed me in this city to experience the world in ways that enormously changed my life. So I also imagine that we want to continue to keep creating spaces that allow people in this city to be able to go and to feel at one with themselves 
We want to create institutions that allow people to be able to go and be at one with themselves and each other, and the way in which that enormously can change people's lives. And that's what continues to inspire me and why in this moment, while we don't have a museum at the Studio Museum and are working all around the city in different institutions and different spaces, I still value what it means to be a cultural anchor, to be a physical space that people can return to over and over again. Do you think that the very popular new experiences of businesses like the Museum of Ice Cream have anything to teach us? I think there are many different kinds of institutions, organizations, places, spaces that have something to teach us in the museum world. And by that I mean we have to continue in the museum world to understand how our audiences are experiencing the world. And when we understand how they are experiencing the world in other places, we can begin to create experiences in museums that allow them more access, that allow them more depth, that allow them the opportunity to have an experience in museums that leave them feeling expanded. I agree with that, but I also was interested in the culture track study that LaPlaca Cohen did. They said the number one reason why people go to museums is for fun. And we see people going to the Slumu Institute. It's like the Museum of Slime downtown or the you know, Museum of Ice Cream is just opened here in droves from all walks of life. And they're paying a lot of money to go to these things, right? We're a bargain in comparison. And I think our museums could be more fun. I probably wouldn't argue with that, though. I certainly think the Studio Museum in Harlem is fun. It is fun. (laughs) I, you know, privilege the idea, seriously, as an institution that really thinks about access being significantly important. That idea of fun begins with the idea that audiences feel that they can approach this experience with a certain sense of understanding. And that's what pushes us in museums to continue to open up our institutions in a way that create for people a level of comfort, a level of respect, a level of welcome that is really, really genuine and authentic. And I'm glad you mentioned welcome because, you know, this concept of radical welcome is so important to both of our institutions. Talk about how you've thought through radical welcome at the Studio Museum. Well, radical welcome at the Studio Museum has been a concept that has always been in place as we think about the institution, but it comes to us as something that comes deeply out of the culture. There are real mores within the African-American culture that speak about what welcome is, how it should exist, what it means to greet, what it means to acknowledge, what it means to exist within a kind of call and response between people. And bringing that into the museum environment so that it not only echoes what exists in the community, but it also allows for that experience to be a part of the experience of the museum was always important in our former space and will be even more so um, in the space that we are creating and will open in the future. For the listeners out there who had never been to the Studio Museum of Harlem, and I hope there are none of them, but if there are, I just want you to know when you walk into the Studio Museum of Harlem, security immediately says to you, 
hello with a smile. And that is such a beautiful thing. You always feel that this is a home for you when you're at the Studio Museum. But, you know, that echoes the experience of Harlem. It's right. it's, the, it's what people tell me all the time who either visit Harlem or live in Harlem who are so amazed but also completely grateful for the way in which people in Harlem speak to each other on the street. Right. That is a norm. There is a way in which, you know, we exist in community and with those, you know, manners of community that are now what people call radical welcome, but just really exist as a way of being. But I think bringing it into the context of an art institution, of a cultural institution, is important because it also allows for the institution to present itself with values that I think are incredibly important. Absolutely. So speaking of things that are incredibly important, let's move to the personal for a moment, Thelma. Don't give me that look. She's giving me a look, people. is it that you manage to balance all that you do? What is an important personal practice that helps you get through the week when you're dealing with so many, so many decisions and and challenges? The practice that allows me to get through the week is constant prioritizing. I am incredibly intentional about not just what I do, but what I don't do. And that is a constant practice. And I have to be incredibly aware of it. But it's the only thing that makes it possible for me to have not only the time, but the mental, physical, and even spiritual energy to sort of greet every moment, every challenge, every possibility, every opportunity with grace. And that's my goal. That's wonderful. You know what I do? What do you do? I box. You know, you've said this many times. It doesn't surprise me, but tell me more. I just love my trainer, Otto. He's the best. And at the end of every workout, he lets me punch him for 10 minutes. And it just gets out any frustrations I have with the world. Okay, I might have to try that, Anne. It's really fun. Wow. I highly recommend it. And as always, it is so fantastic to talk to you. I'm always inspired by you, by your energy, by your view of the world. I learn so much from you, and I'm so thrilled we had this opportunity today. Thelma, you know I love you crazy. You're my best colleague in the whole world, and you've been a great inspiration to me in my life. And as I say to everybody, I'm a soldier in Thelma's army. Oh, thank you, Anne. Thank you, Thelma. For conversations you can't ignore, come back every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. Subscribe now and never stop learning.